there's a lot of odd stuff that happens in the Bible. And this is one of those odd stories, isn't it? you got Solomon here. And Solomon is, he's just become a king. He hadn't been a king very long. And there are these two women that live together. They're harlots. They're both expecting children. And the babies are born about the same time. Now, during the night, one of the ladies rolls over on top of her baby and suffocates it and it dies. She wakes up, looks and sees her baby's dead. There's the other woman in her bed with her baby. So this woman gets up, walks over, puts her dead baby with the other woman and takes that other woman's live baby, goes back to bed. Next morning they get up and the woman who's baby died, has the live baby now. The other woman looks over and there's a dead baby, but that's not her baby. That's my baby. That's a strange story. You know, back then they didn't have CSI. They couldn't do DNA swabs and tests. They didn't even have the little bracelets that you get at the hospital that they got to scan to make sure it's really your baby. They didn't have any of that. Just these two women in this house with two babies probably no witnesses other than them that the babies were born. How are you going to know? Comes before Solomon. Solomon listens to the story. Anybody who's been a mom or dad knows this story. Now, not about a baby, but it's mine. No, it's mine. No, I had it first. No, I had it first. No, you said, no, I... And it's just back and forth and back and forth. What that means is I reckon 
is watching everything I do. He's listening to every word I say. He's paying attention to every motive of my heart. And he is judging me according to those things. You know, we have issues sometimes. As a parent in the past, I've had an issue with a child being deceitful. I know that's hard to believe. But I have had that problem in our house, and I'd ask this question. I'd say, have you ever fooled mom and daddy? Well, maybe a few times. Right, you can fool mom and daddy. Have you ever fooled God? Oh, no. I've never fooled God, right? None of us ever fooled God. Why? Because he knows everything you think and everything you say and every, everything you do. He knows all your motives. He knows why you did what you did, even if nobody else does. He knows that stuff. And he's judging you every day based on those things. Now, the reality of life is every one of us acts different when we know we're being watched, don't we? We all do. We might think we don't, or we might hope we don't, but we all act different when we know we're being watched. Everybody does. You're being watched. All the time. By the guy who's judging you. Should make a difference in how you act, shouldn't it? It will. In fact, you know what? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. When I know I'm being watched, I behave more wisely. I mean, I do better things, don't you? Don't you? from evil. The same kind of thing, right? I know I'm being watched, so I'm going to be absolutely sure that what I do is good and not evil, right? By the fear of the Lord, by recognizing that God is watching everything I say, I think, I do, and all my motives and intentions, and judging me. That motivates me to be wise. Now, Solomon knew this. Solomon understood this because when Solomon became a king, Solomon wasn't a very wise person. Solomon desired wisdom above, above everything else. God came to him and he said, Solomon, and I'm paraphrasing here, but he said, Solomon, your daddy was a man after my own heart. He was a good man. And now that you're king in his place, I'm going to give you a ask whatever you want, I'll bring it to you. You know what Solomon said? He said, God, make me wise. He said, I, I don't even hardly know how to walk through a door by myself. How am I going to lead your people? I want wisdom. I need wisdom. And God was very, very pleased with that request. And he gave him wisdom, and he also gave him riches and fame and, and a lot of other says, wisdom is a principal thing, therefore in all you're getting get wisdom. He meant that. Because that's what he did. That's the way he lived. Now let's look at some of the characters of this story. Now that we kind of have a backdrop and an idea of this wisdom of Solomon. Let's talk first about the two women. Two women are harlots. They live alone together in this house. 
but they're strikingly and fundamentally different. Now, they've got a lot of things that are the same. They both made some really bad choices, really sinful choices in their lives. Okay? But they're different. We're going to talk about the woman who rolled on top of her baby and killed it first. That woman can be successfully or fairly described as being self-serving. She's a woman who cared more about herself and what she was going to get than she did anybody or anything else. Herself. Think about this. You roll over in the night, you wake up, you find your baby's dead, and there's another baby over. Would it cross your mind to switch babies? Would it cross your mind? Why would that cross somebody's mind? Why would she think, oh, I know, I'll pretend her baby died and then I get the live one? Why would you do that? You do that because you care more about you than you do anybody else in the world. We see stuff like that all the time in the world today, don't we? I mean, haven't you heard the stories in the news about some crazed ex-boyfriend that goes and shoots some girl, ex-girlfriend, says, if I can't have you, nobody's going to get you. You've heard things like that, Somebody did it because all they care about is all number one. All they care about is me and whatever it takes to satisfy me or to please me. That's what drives me to deception or anything else that's involved. That's the way people are. We're self-serving. Self-ish, as we call it, selfish. You know, the New Testament talks about this kind of person. It says this. But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves. That word lovers there, I know you're probably familiar with the idea that there are different words in the Greek that are all translated love in the New Testament in, into the English. There's eros, which is the physical kind of love, like I love ice cream. There's agape, which is the altruistic kind of love. God so agape the world that he gave his own son. That's the self-giving kind of love. And then there's phileo. You've heard Philadelphia is the city of brotherly love. Phileo, that's where Philadelphia comes from. This is the word phileo right here. He says perilous times are going to come. It's going to be a bad world to live in. Why? Because people are going to be their own best friends. People, that's the friendship kind of love. That's when you feel good about somebody. Now, do you know what our culture is eating up with today? You got to feel good about yourself. You got to love yourself. Be your own best friend. Look in the mirror and say, "You know, I like you." Be proud to do that. We're taught that stuff all the time, from Oprah to Doctor Phil to school counselors to James Dobson to everybody you think of teaches that the big secret in life is that you just. Your problems are all because you don't love yourself enough. That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches if I love me more than I love you, you know what I'm going to do if you've got something I want? I'm going to try to figure out a way to get it. I'm going to take what you've got because I love me more than I love you. It belongs to me or I ought to have it. That's the attitude. And that's a problem. That's a problem for culture. And it's a problem for Solomon, and he 
says, bring me a sword. And here is a mother. And there is a baby. And she says, let me be neither mine nor yours, but your mine. She said, cut him. <laughs> Amen, sister. Most of your problems in your life probably are because you're selfish. Don't do that. It's not right. Be instead self-sacrificing like the other mom was. The other mom, I want you to think about her situation. Now, granted, this woman was a harlot. She made some bad choices. She is a sinful woman in a lot of ways. And I am no way saying that that's fine or that's okay or that's righteous. It's not. It's evil and God despises that. But when it came down to this situation, this was a woman who was self-sacrificing. This is a woman who was willing to put herself in a very uncomfortable, difficult situation for the good of her child. that I would have to ask that or that we would even have to consider that, isn't it? But the reality is we live in a world today the gross extremes or the Andrea Gates that drowns her kids in the bathtub. I don't expect any of us would do anything terrible like that, but you know, lots of parents are selfish parents. Lots of parents push their kids to the periphery of their lives. It's almost like the kids are a nuisance. They're a problem. They're a bother. Yeah, yeah, go away, kids, you bother. It's almost the attitude that a lot of people have about the children. God calls us to be very God calls us to love the sinner. Think about this woman. She says, Solomon says, here's a sword. We're going to cut the kid. You know what she said? Oh, no, 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 no. Give it to her. Give it to her. Now, that does save the kid's life, right? But you've got to stop and think. Think about what the rest of this woman's life is going to be. She's going to live in this house with this child raised by that woman who stole it. And that kid can never know she's going to go home. She will cry herself to sleep and know that other woman has the love of her child instead. that a woman who's that cruel and that deceitful and that heartless, I guarantee you she would use that kid against this other woman. She would use that kid against her. You don't do what I want. I'm going to like you to do that. 
this was not just a, oh, let's all sing and be happy today. It's not like that. She's putting herself in for a life of heartache and misery and sorrow. You willing to do that for your kids? You willing to take that for your children? Are you willing to make your kids more important than your own personal joy and satisfaction and fun at that moment? The Bible says this, you fathers, do not promote your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. You know, that's not fun. That takes work. That's hard. Tough to do. Dads, do you teach God's Word to your kids? Do you do that? Do you help them make decisions about life and show them and relate those back to what God wants? Do you do that? That's your job. And if you're not doing that, shame on you. And if you are doing that, amen to you. Pat you on the back. If you're not doing that, you need to start doing that. This is God's mandate to us. Now, you can't be real selfish and accomplish this. You've got to be selfless. You've got to be willing to take time away from the stuff you want. I'll just be honest with you. You'd think a preacher wouldn't have trouble with this. I have trouble with this sometimes. My son comes and wants to do stuff with me. I'm too busy. You ever too busy for your kids? I'm too busy. And he'll come in and he'll go, Dad, are, are you busy right now? And he'll see that I'm working. He'll go, oh, never mind, never mind. I, I know you're busy. And I'm shooting him.
sometimes to look at people who have got their lives in a mess by bad decisions that they've made. And we have a tendency to be a little, okay, I hope you get what you deserve. But don't we? Sometimes we have a tendency to do that. Solomon wasn't like that. You treat everyone with the same degree of kindness and fairness. Pretty old and deserve that for certain people. You know, these Says, have you ever sinned? Have you? Yeah, I have We've all sinned, right? The wages of sin is death. The truth is, you deserve punishment in hell, and so do I, because the wages of sin is death, don't we? We all deserve that. It's easy for me to look down on people who've made bad decisions and, well, I didn't do that. The reality is, we all deserve punishment, but the truth is that God loves. They squished together and, and all wasn't a perfect movie, but a perfect movie that Jesus did exist. It did get the point across that Jesus suffered for you. Jesus died what they went through and what they did for us. 
next time you're, you're challenged with having compassion and kindness towards somebody that you don't think deserves it, remember who else didn't deserve it. You know, a few years ago, we were sitting by a uh, barbecue place, and I'd, I'd, really, I'd gotten up to here with my kids saying stuff wasn't fair, you know, feeling here's something like that, you know, that's not fair, it's not fair, and I got so tired of it. We stopped at the barbecue place to eat, and coming out of the barbecue place was a man in a wheelchair. He had a flag on the back of the wheelchair, and this was one of those wheelchairs he had to blow on a little straw to move. And I made my kids sit there and watch that man as he rolled out, blowing, sitting, he was paralyzed from the neck down. They all remember it, don't you? It's not fair that he's in a wheelchair and you're not. It's not fair that some kid's sleeping in a box under a freeway tonight and you've got a home with parents that love you, plenty of food. Let's don't whine about things not being fair. Let's be fair and just to everybody else, regardless of their circumstances. The last thing I want to point out is that Solomon saw that. Solomon wrote Proverbs. He didn't go read Proverbs to get wisdom. He wrote Proverbs. He was a wise, wise man, and he saw it. He said this to God, Give to your servant an understanding heart to judge your people, that I may discern between good and evil. I want to tell you, you need to seek wisdom. I have no doubt that Solomon knew the words of his daddy. His daddy, David, said this, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. Solomon knew that. He'd heard that. I have no doubt David walked around the house singing these words because David was a musician and a singer, and David wrote these words. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. You need to seek wise counsel. Seek godly counsel for the challenges in your life. Don't go to your ungodly friends for advice on how to deal with your problems. Go to people who love God, people who have spent their lives studying and learning the Word of God, so they can give you wise counsel. And when you need wisdom, when you need to be able to make a good decision, remember James 1.5, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to you. You need wisdom. Ask God. Now, I'm going to tell you, God's not necessarily going to go boom and throw wisdom into your head like that. But He'll give you wisdom. He has promised to give you wisdom. He's promised, He kept that promise to me at times when I really, really, really need it. Depend on God. Ask Him for wisdom. And then be open to His answers. Be open and willing to listen to the wise counsel that he surrounds you with from his word and from other wise, godly counselors that you can fill your life with. So, in conclusion, I ask you this. Do you need wisdom? Do you need wisdom about anything in your life? I know those of you children need wisdom. Those kids. Ask God. Ask God for wisdom. Are you 
selfish. If you're selfish with him, then what about the people that's given yourself? Repent and put other people in front of you. We're being so selfish. It's not what God calls us to. Are you fair and just to everybody? Make it your intention not to be, because I'm holier than thou, I don't have to. Don't be that. But instead, you be fair and just to everybody. You seek wise counsel in your life. Seek wise counsel. Talk to wise people. And finally, I want to encourage you to learn God's words so you're wise enough to help other people. One of the most difficult times in my life, I sought wisdom, and I really had a problem, and it was difficult for me. And I prayed, and I prayed, and I asked God to give me wisdom. And I thought, I'll be driving down the road, and he'll just put it in my hand. It didn't happen that way. But you know what he did? Is he surrounded me with wise counselors. And the advice I got from wise godly men and women helped me navigate through that situation and please God. The only reason I had that available to me is there were men and women who had studied God's Word, who learned God's Word, and were able to give me good counsel. Learn. Grow. So someday you can be a wise counselor to people if you're not yet. I hope you've been encouraged. It's a fascinating story. There are lots and lots of stories like this in the Old Testament. If you have a spirit,